Go on then, let's do a podcast, hey? How about that? How are ya? It's Aiden Jones here, you, the listener, are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday the 7th of December, 2022, or 21, <laughs> making a mistake of is the date. How much of that can you do before people start calling you racist, do you reckon? If you just keep changing the accent halfway through, float through some really offensive ones, but then come out the other side as Italian. Is that all good? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I hope you guys are doing good, man. I hope you are having a lovely day. Bit of tea there. I was just watching uh, on my phone. There's this YouTube, YouTube. Maybe if I don't touch the mic. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. The mic did just fuck up again. I'm just going to try and not touch it at all. Anyway, I just listened to this. Um, yeah, there's this YouTube account called Rizzo and it's this guy playing. I, I get, ooh, oh, oh, whoa, Aiden, whoa. Let's just stop and examine that ingrained misogyny there. Is it a guy or is it a person? Or is it some form of robot? Maybe it's a robot. Um, look, it could be anyone. It's a picture of someone's hands um, playing piano and they play like classical piano songs, pieces, uh, just from above, top down. So it's just the hands cut off at the wrist. It's disembodied hands. It's a ghost. It's, it's a, Someone's just cut off a pair of hands and they're making them play piano. What a horrific fate. Oh, God. You know what? I should just stop trying to be funny. And I'll just be funnier if I just stop trying to be funny. Hey, we're doing a podcast. Why don't we do some jokes? (laughs) Don't try and do jokes, Aiden. You're not fucking funny. Just say your fucking stupid story about watching the piano on YouTube. All right, what's going on here? What's going on today? Why am I so emotional at the start of the podcast? I'm going every which way. The mic's unplugging, you know, that's upsetting. I'm in my room. I I feel like I'm having a pretty good day. I feel a little bit stressed, actually. I've been putting the podcast off. Always happens every week. I should be prepared for that, really. So I was watching this video. Uh, it's basically, I've got a new uh, video coming out on like YouTube and Instagram and shit of me doing comedy in the park. Uh, my videographer has just returned with two uh, videos for me to put out. So the first one is going to be me doing comedy like doing the jokes, you know, the sign, committing, giving away jokes. But I did it in Edinburgh Gardens and no adults came up. It was like kids all day. So that's the first video. And then the second one is uh, I was doing during lockdown, I was doing my show in the park before when I was getting ready to film the special and I did two of those in a day on a Saturday. So we've got those two videos coming out. And the music that we put behind them, the first one is – a string arrangement by, oh, can I remember? Schubert, a Schubert string quartet arrangement. Uh, and the second one is someone playing uh, Chopin's Waltz in C sharp minor. And the reason we've chosen those two, uh, twofold. One, because I am a pretentious cunt and I like classical music and I like to put that's like, you know, feel like that's something I'm trying to lean into. I feel like I have a little bit of guilt or not guilt, but just like sheepishness, whatever the word is that I'm looking for there. You know what I mean? Like I'm a bit 
uh, I don't want people to think I'm saying that I like classical music uh, just to seem smart. And I feel like there is that feeling of like, you know, people just saying that they like classical music just to be like, oh, look how smart I am. But I don't know if those people actually exist or if that's just an insecurity from people who don't like classical music feeling like when someone likes something that they don't like, it's an attack on them. It's not, all right? It's just people like things. <laughs> that's interesting, isn't it? There is some idea about liking classical music and that that's like a snobby thing to like. Well, you know what? I like classical music. And if that makes me a snob, then so be it. Um, how cool is the phrase, far be it? Far be it from me to determine who is and is not a snob. Um but anyway, I like classical music and, and, you know, evidently I'm fine with that and I don't have any sort of insecurities behind it. <laughs> but uh, I'm leaning into the fact that I like classical music by making that the music for two of these, um, for these two videos. So the first one is a Schubert string arrangement and then the second one is Chopin's uh, Waltz in C-sharp minor and uh, I've had the song in my head. So I just watched this guy play it and it's just beautiful. You know, I'm thinking about something that my piano teacher always said. She says, um, like, you listen to the different voices in a song. So there's like the bass and then there's the melody and then there's little, uh, like the chords, you know, that make up the, um, the color of the harmony. And when you play, you have to listen to each of those voices at the same time while you play because if you just think about what so if you're playing a song so i was watching the the top down disembodied hands the videos that this guy that this person oh god uh this person Rizzo puts up there like yeah disembodied it's just it's just hands and then the keyboard and then above the keyboard i guess there's just like a almost like you know those music boxes when they have the little punch holes in the paper to like make the piano play notes. It's kind of like that little lines or like MIDI marks. If you've ever used like MIDI, like um, uh, what's that word? Like music creating software, you know, MIDI. It's just like the little blocks that denote different notes. So there's like MIDI marks coming down. So when the person plays those notes, the marks hit the fucking thing in the screen. So you can see when they're changing different notes. It's just helpful to be able to like, I guess see when their fingers move but also know when they're playing different notes because sometimes the finger movements are very subtle, whatever. And uh, so you can kind of see when these marks come down the different because they're grouped into like sections based on where they are on the keyboard and so you can see like oh there's a low note coming up that's the bass that's the rhythm of the bass there's a bit of a cluster in the middle here that must be the chords making up the harmony and then up the top you got the melody. And... Um, Fuck, I need another sip of tea. I didn't know I was going to be talking about music today. I didn't know. I've actually got a lot of stuff to talk about that's got nothing to do with this, but we'll roll with it. So um, my piano teacher used to always say that you've got to listen to each of the individual voices. And when I was watching this person play the waltz, I was uh, you can see the bass and for me the bass is always the one that's hardest to listen to because it's just I guess it's least obvious but it's important because it makes up the foundation for the rest of the piece and if you know the bass note you can kind of extrapolate what the rest of the harmony is going to do and then you can understand the melody a little bit better. So I was watching this person play the bass and see the way that it kind of you know it's like I can't even sing it now but just the way the bass moves, it was really nice and um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, my, I, I, 
I think about that a lot, what my piano teacher used to say about how you have to listen to each voice. Because if you don't listen to the bass, if you're playing the piece and you love the melody, right? We all love the melody. That's the obvious part. Or I love the melody anyway, because that's, I feel like that's kind of who I am, is I'm a very obvious person. I like to, you know, hey, look at me, flashy, flourishing, whatever, flourishing. <laughs> I am flourishing. <laughs> The melody is the is the most uh, abundant part of any piece. <laughs> it's just thriving. Oh my god, your melody is thriving. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, the melody is the flashy, showy part that everyone remembers. You know, it's like the melody that you can hum, sing along to, and it gets stuck in your head. It's all catchy and shit. And then the harmony is the kind of bit that gives the melody its color. Like you can hum the melody, but it won't feel the same without the harmony behind it. But the bass is the foundation for everything. And um, I never listen to the bass when I play because I'm, I, I just love the melody. And I guess, I, you know, the harmony is kind of nice, but you need the bass to contextualize the harmony and harmony and to kind of give the whole thing a bit of a direction. Like it gives the thing you start on, you know, maybe you start on the one and then you go away to different notes in the scale, but then you're like slowly coming back to the one. And every time you hit the bass, it's like, doom, 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 doom. Oh, I can't sing. Why am I trying to talk about fucking music when I can't? So, um, but anyway, I was watching that and I was listening to the bass and I was just like, you know, it's, it is, it's good to listen to the bass. Cause if you don't listen to it when you play it, then you're without thinking going to play it with less emphasis. And so the people listening to you play, they're not going to hear it and it won't be there for them to hear. And you can kind of choose which parts of the piece to emphasize, but if you're making a conscious choice, that's a different thing to if you're just doing it because you're not really paying attention. So you should be aware of all the different parts of the thing so that then you can make choices about which parts to emphasize or which parts to listen to yourself and then which parts you kind of... The the beautiful thing about playing classical music, which are these songs that have been around for two, three hundred years in some cases, and they don't change, right? And I guess it's tempting for people to think like, oh, you know, it's boring. It doesn't change. You're just playing the same songs. But it's like you're not just playing the same songs. Like, yeah, sure, you are. Like, it's the so the, the notes are there. But the people who, who wrote these songs, they're so rich. Like, each... One, it's not just the melody and it's not just the harmony. It's not just the bass and whatever other voices are in there. It's everything working together. And they made all of these choices because they were fucking masters of the craft of songwriting and, and of their instrument. So when you play something, the first time you learn it, you might just learn it and go, oh, isn't that a nice melody? And you might, you know, play it like that for a few months. And then after a while, you get sick of the melody and you start listening to the harmony or you notice things. Maybe there's three or four chords in a scale of the harmony below the melody and you notice like, oh, the that one, like the, the third note in that chord really changes. It. Or, the, or like these four chords have the same note in the middle there, but that all of the other notes move around it. And you kind of see and you're like, wow, I'm like, seeing something that this 
person who who wrote this song 200 years ago, they did this and they thought about this and they made this choice and I'm just discovering it now. And it's kind of like you have a dialogue with this fucking person who's been dead for, for, for you know, 200 years. And so to to, yeah, I guess notice all those different notes is to kind of listen to a different part of what they're trying to say to you through their music. And it's really beautiful. So um, in short, if you don't like classical music, that's fine. But fuck you if you think that liking classical music makes me uh, pretentious. I think I am a very pretentious person actually. But you know what? Maybe I like that. All right. Very defensive, very defensive today on the podcast. Um, I was, uh, what was I going to say about, um, I was just in a, uh, a physio appointment before and I was going to say something about it. Man, I laughed so hard in my physio appointment today. I went to the physio because um, just working as a removalist, you know, you get little niggles and aches and pains sometimes and I just, you get free physio through work. So I was like, well, let me use that, you know, I'll use that. And just see if there's anything wrong. And uh, there wasn't, which is nice, nothing particularly. I do get a few, you know, aches and twinges and stuff sometimes, but the physio was able to reassure me that that's just par for the course. But uh, there was one part. So she, like, got me to stretch all of these different things and then, you know, see what... (laughs) It's actually really embarrassing. I don't know why. I was in there... You know, you get you, you like push with your leg and then the other leg and she was testing the power on either side of my body to see if I'm like one side or the other is more powerful um, because that would lead to injuries maybe or whatever. And then there was one part she like bent my knees up and I was lying on my back and she was like, okay, now pull your chest Pull your pull your chin towards your chest is what she said. So my knees are up like at 90 degrees. And she's like, okay, now pull your pull your chin towards your chest. And I, I she meant like put your hands behind your head like a sit-up and pull your chin towards your chest. <laughs> but I just grabbed my chin with my hands and just like pulled it towards my chest. And she just started laughing. And I was just like, yes, I see now how I've done that incorrectly. But and she was like, no one's ever done that before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what did I think was, is that some sort of stretch? I've never seen a stretch where you just cup your chin in your hand and just pull it down towards your chest. It was really embarrassing. Because I was like, okay, I can see what I've done wrong there. But like, you know, that's what you said. I did what you said. I feel, I, I just feel stupid. It was really funny. We la- I must have laughed and like started, you know, you like, you laugh at it and then you stop laughing and you move on. I must have laughed at it like four or five times and then tried to move on and started laughing again. Cause it just was like, it was very embarrassing. The fact that she said no one's ever done that before. I was like, well, I'm a fucking idiot then, aren't I? Yeah. Oh, this is what I said in the in the physio appointment. I said something about I'm wearing my uh, Good Chat T-shirt at the moment. Big up to the Good Chat boys up in Brizzy doing their thing. And uh, I said, you know, this is a special T-shirt that only guys who have played the club get the T-shirt. 
And uh, then a lot of guys like to make a game of it where they like try and wear it on TV. She was like, have you worn it on TV? And I was like, no, I have not been on TV. However, some guys have. And she was like, oh, do girls get it? And I was like, fuck. Like I meant guys as in guys and girls. But also the reason I was saying it like that is because in my head I'm thinking of, I think Luke Heggie's worn it on TV and I think Damian Power and Nick Cody have worn it on TV. So that's three guys that I'm talking about. But it was like, I just felt weird, you know. I was like, well, what I've said there is a little bit like, you know, exclusionary or biased. It's like seeming as if only men get to wear the shirt or get the shirt. And I kind of explained that to her. And she was like, no, of course, like, totally. I understand what you're saying. Um, anyway, that was a weird little insecurity I had today. I was also feeling, I'm so, um, my. Oh my God, my back is like, oh, I know what the picture will be this week. The picture is going to be me and some friends bouncing on this pillow in Bort. I spent the weekend in Bort this weekend. It was so nice. Uh, I guess I'm going to talk about that for the rest of the podcast because I feel like there's a lot of explaining to do there. But uh, so we, we went up to uh, a couple friends of mine, um, two twins actually, Swedish twins. Um, which is something that you say and people look at you and raise their eyebrows because it sounds like it sounds like porn shit, doesn't it? When you say two Swedish twins, immediately people's minds are like, "Well, that's a porno." <laughs> I've never said that to these guys who are mates of mine, but I reckon they would laugh and think that that's funny because it is like Swedish twins. It's like the Swedes are really like the most typically sexualized race of people are they not thai maybe thai yeah swedish is definitely you know it's like whoa a swedish chick man um and so when you say swedish twins I, like i've said that I'm like oh yeah i got uh, these two friends there's swedish uh and they're twins and like a few people i've said that to and they look at me and they're like bro <laughs> It's like, I mean, yeah, man, Swedish people do have, they have children and sometimes those children are twins. So I don't know what, (laughs) just like, yeah, man, but like you got, you got to do that though, right, man? It's even, it makes me want to say that I wonder how that feels for them to introduce themselves to people and be like, oh yeah, we're Swedish and we're twins. I wonder if they ever get, maybe twins is a thing that's sexualized as well. If you're a twin or you know any twins, maybe ask them for me. Have you ever been sexualized on account of your twins? It'd have to be female twins. There's no male twins. I wonder if there are male twins. <laughs> they meet women <laughs> and the women are like, wow, twins, huh? <laughs> you want to? You guys want to both fuck me? Uh, I grew up knowing a couple, uh, like a set of twins and, uh, look, I don't think they're the type of dudes who would be into that really, even if they like, you know, they're just not those kind of guys, but I wonder if there are male twins out there who get sexualized by women when they meet them. I've always wanted to get, (laughs) I can't even say it. Yeah. Look, you know, twins, it's hot. All right. Let's all just fucking, let's all admit it together. It's hot. Twins are hot. Male, female, or otherwise. Um, anyway, so I know these Swedish twins, and um, 
and one of them is uh, like just loves comedy. <clears throat> and they, uh, I need just another sip of tea there. One of them loves comedy, and she was putting on shows in her shed earlier this year. She actually told me that I inspired her, which is nice, isn't it? I was putting on shows in my shed back in Brunswick last year and she saw that and she was like, oh, I could put put on shows in my shed. But the way that we met is she started doing that and she messaged me and was like, hey, do you want to do a show in my shed? And I'm like, fuck yeah. And then, you know, we've become friends. Um, and a few months ago, I hit her up just to see. I, I can't remember. I just, maybe I was calling her to see if she wanted to hang out or something. And uh, she was like, oh, I'm... I'm up in this town called Bort. I'm working at this caravan park. So it's like a, I think it's called a lakeside resort, lakeside camping or something. It's the only like camping place, caravan place in this town. So the town's an hour past Bendigo from Melbourne. You drive to Bendigo and then you keep driving in that direction for like another hour. And um, it's a very small town. There's a few lakes there and uh, there's this, you know, caravan park thing. They've got cabins, they've got caravans and spots and camping areas and it's all on the lake. And I guess it's the kind of place that people from Bendigo go up to on their holidays. Um, I guess it's probably a bit far for people from Melbourne, but if you're from Bendigo and you want somewhere to go on your holidays, you go up there. That's the kind of vibe that I got. So they answered an ad on Facebook to come and work in this place because that's the kind of people that they are. They're just looking to do cool shit and, and whatever. And... Um, they're up there working there. And my mate was like, yeah, they're going to have an opening for the summer season, you know. Um, they've also just put like, they've done like $3 million worth of work um, to build a bunch of new cabins and just like update the park and whatever. So the owners of this place, they're, they're you know, they're always trying to do interesting things at the park and attract people to the town. So they're going to have a party at their, at one of their houses that they own in the town. And, um, make that be like the opening of the park and uh, my friend convinced them to have comedy there. So me and a few other comics, Luca Muller, Matthew Vasquez and Jack um, fucking, oh my God, Druce. <laughs> Forgot my friend's name. Um, we were the comedians and uh, and they gave us free accommodation and then I also convinced a few other mates, like three carloads of mates to come up for the weekend and so we just like, we made a weekend of it and um Fuck, it was fantastic, man. Went went out. Uh, the The owner of the park took us out on the lake um, in, you know, those inflatable tubes. Went on the inflatable tube behind his fucking speedboat there and he was chucking us around. I didn't fall off. Everyone else did. I didn't. Not a big deal. But, you know, it's important. Should be known. We'll just put it in, you know, just like record it. Don't forget it. Don't, it's not like, you know, I don't need like an award or anything, but it should be recorded and said on the record that I was the only person who didn't fall off. Did that. There was a pillow, which I've been struggling with that word. It's it's like a big trampoline canvas thing, but it's not a trampoline. It's like a, you know, a thing that comes out of the ground. It's got sand around and it's like a huge, probably like, I don't know. I want to say like 10 meters long by like five wide or four wide or something and it inflates and it's canvas and you go up and jump on it. <sighs> that was the first thing we did when we woke up on Saturday. We saw that and just started bouncing on it and um, yeah, let me tell you, man, 
the, the spine of a 30-year-old is not made to be bounced up and down upon because my spine is compressed to fuck now. I was bouncing real high too. My friends were like, wow, how are you bouncing so high? And I was like, I don't know, man. Guess I'm just really good at this. <laughs> it's so funny. Like the things that I will accept, like I'll just accept that praise, even though it's completely meaningless. I'll be like, yeah, man, I'm really good at this. Like and take that as like, you know, I'll be like proud of just being able to bounce really high on a thing. And it's like, what does that, what the fuck does that mean that I can bounce really high on this? Who cares? It's not important at all. Um, I just drifted off there because I, while I was speaking, I realized that my tapestry that I have on my bed, I, yeah, I guess I put it the same way around every day and one side's closer to the window and I've just noticed that that side is kind of faded. And I don't, like that at all that it's faded fuck i mean there's not much you can do really but it's sad things change you know people die we move on life keeps going anyway so i bounced up and down on the thing i fucking did a flip i smacked my face i tried to land on my back one time and my fucking head slammed back and i gave myself whiplash it's like the same the same motion as like when you get a, in a rear end collision in your car and you don't have a fucking headrest. That's what I did to myself at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I was like, yeah, this is a good holiday. Why don't I fuck my neck up? I'm out of the city. Who cares? So, yeah, my back's really sore today. I told the physio that. She was like, well, you're dumb. I was like, yeah, I am. Anyway, watch me <laughs> grab my chin and try and push it into my chest. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah the show was so great we did the show on the saturday night um <clears throat> bunch of people from the town came out people who work at the caravan park all lovely people the show you know on paper it looked like it would have been bad but it was actually fantastic we were outside the room that they gave me man I was the first one there. I got in on Friday, but the other comics didn't get in till Saturday. So I got to pick the room and I took the room at the top of our little house. Huge room, spa, shower, balcony little thing overlooking the lake. I mean, it just, it was fantastic. Honestly, I can't lie about that. I can't pretend that it, I didn't feel like the prince of bought when I was in that house. And all my other friends, like they paid for accommodation in the cabins and so they were in the cabins in their fucking bunks and then I took them around to my place and, and they were just like, oh, yeah, fuck you, dude. <laughs> um, I went to Bendigo the um, I went to Bendigo the day before and uh, did a gig on the Thursday night. But I – oh, actually, here's a fucking story from Bendigo. Thursday afternoon – and, I mean, this just goes in keeping with the, the theme recently of me not being able to organize my life so that I'm not in a rush – so on Thursday, I've got a gig in Bendigo and uh, I, I've, I've organized – my cousin lives in Bendigo with his wife and his two kids and so I've organized to go and see them on Thursday night, you know, before I, um, before I do the gig, I'll, I'll have dinner with them and then I'll stay at their house and then I'll go to Bort on the Friday. But I, I like that. <sighs> Sorry. That's that's all I had to do on Thursday. I had to fucking 
what did I have to do? I had to take something back. I did a gig on Wednesday night at this Colombian place. The gig went well, by the way. That's the gig that I was freaking out about. Went great. There was like 20 people there. It was awesome. And um, I'd borrowed my mate's uh, speaker and microphone for that gig. And so I had to – I did, all I had to do on Thursday was just drop that back at his house in a hired car and then um, take the car back and then get to Bendigo on the train, which takes like two hours. That's it. And I've kind of promised my cousin that I'll get to Bendigo at like four. So I took the thing back, but I just dilly-dallied. I ran into a mate, you know. We had coffee. We talked about comedy for a bit, dropped the car back, and then I'm pushing it back. And I eventually left at about two. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll get to Bendigo at – kind of 4, 4.30 and, um, and I go, I just, I had this idea because now I've given, I'm kind of short on time because I've just delayed a little bit in the day. So I was like, okay, I'll make up some time because I know the train leaves from Southern Cross Station, but it goes through Footscray and the V-Line trains always stop at Footscray because it's like another big station. So if I go to Footscray, maybe I'll be able to get the earlier train that I would have missed had I gone all the way to Southern Cross and then that'll save me a bit of time and I it, it won't look like I was later than I said that I was going to be. Aren't I smart? I've made up for my mistakes and um, just kind of procrastination by outsmarting the transport system. So I go to Footscray, I get there, I'm running and um, the train doesn't come and then it's like it's buses, it's replacement buses. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll make the bus. So I'm walk to the bus place. I talk to the guy. He's like, yeah, it's on its way, but it's a replacement bus because the trains are fucked. And I wait there for half an hour. And then he goes, you know, you'd probably be faster because the buses that are going from here, they're going to go to every stop because then like the replacement buses, some of them are going straight to Bendigo. So the ones that are coming through Footscray, they're going to stop everywhere. So it's going to take ages for you to get to Bendigo like this. I'm like, all right, so I've just fucked myself. I should have just gone to Southern Cross initially, but I tried to be smart and now I'm paying for it. So I go to Southern Cross and I'm waiting for the bus there. And then after about half an hour, the guy's like, all right, guys, sorry. So there has been some sort of collision or incident or something further up the train line. The train's not running, but they're fixing it. The buses are coming. And then after a bit, they're like, the train's here, it's coming. So like 200 people leave the bus stop. We all go to where the trains are. We get on a train, we're about ready to go, it's raining outside now and uh, the train moves like a couple metres and then stops and they go, hey, sorry, lightning has just struck the train line, all the work that they just did to fix it has been fucked and um, you're now back on the bus. (laughs) So 200 people get off this train and go back to the bus and by this point... Everyone's pissed and there's also two kids that have somehow just appeared in the group of people. They're like, one of them's like 13, the other one's like 10. They're the fucking young boys, right? And the cops, like the PSO officers are talking to them. Uh, the, the kids are talking about how they're going to have cigarettes and the cops are like, how old are you? And the, one of the kids is like, old enough. And the cop's like, old enough to what? And it's just like, man, why are you engaging with these fucking kids? What kind of cop are you, you fucking idiot? The cop literally said, old enough to what? It's like, man, this kid is 10, all right? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And you are a fully grown man and a police officer at that and you're engaging with this kid like you're going to outsmart him. You fucking idiot. Oh, it really annoyed me the stupid way these cops dealt with the kids. It's like, 
yeah, man, they're kids. They've got no adults around and they're fucking smoking. Maybe try and figure out where they've come from. I don't fucking know. I don't know what I wanted them to do, but I didn't want them to do that. You're trying to argue with kids, you fucking loser. That's why you're not even a real cop. You're just a fucking PSO. What does that stand for? Public safety officer. Whatever. A fucking renter cop arguing with a 10-year-old kid, you moron. Um, I think that opinion is also colored by what happened next. So the the cops, they didn't do anything with the kids. They just chucked them on the bus. They didn't ride on the bus. It, co- it maybe would have been smart for one of the cops to ride on the bus with the kids to make sure that they weren't being fuckheads, but they didn't do that. They just chucked them on the bus like, okay, now it's the bus driver's problem. And the kids sat right up the front behind the driver and the driver who had just been roped into driving this last-minute replacement bus service from Southern Cross to Bendigo, now also has to deal with two kids yelling, swearing at her for the whole ride, you know? And she was a fucking champ about it, man. And those PSOs can get fucked, honestly, just palming that responsibility off onto her. They were swearing at her and whatever, whatever. Um, I was in a bad mood because it was late and then also I was not going to wear my mask on the bus because I just thought that was the vibe and then someone behind me was like, can you please put your mask on in like a telly-offy way, you know? And the chick next to him made some murmur of like, yeah, I reckon too. <laughs> and I looked around and everyone was wearing their masks and I was like, ugh, fuck. I've misread the room here. Um, and then at Castlemaine, the kids got off and fucking had a cigarette. <laughs> These two kids, they were like 10 and 14 years old. This is a guess, but I reckon that's about, that seems fairly accurate. One of them was very young. One of them was definitely prepubescent and he was punching a cigarette just as well as the other one. They got off and they had cigarettes. While in the time that it took to, we were just stopping at Castlemaine to let some people off. And in that time, the kids got off, stood at the door of the bus and smashed a cigarette like they were a chef on their break in between the rush, you know? Looking around the whole time, just like sucking it down, not enjoying it, just like... And uh, and got back on the bus. Oh, my God. You feel sorry for a kid like that, you know? I mean, they're having fun right now and they're being loud and yelling. When they got off finally at uh, Kangaroo Flat, they like... For the bus driver was like, all right, everyone, thank God they're gone and like laughed and, you know, over the intercom and was like laughing about how fucked they were or whatever. She was like, my son's 19 and if he talked to me like that, he would never talk to me like that, you know. And she did such a good job at just dealing with them and not letting them get too crazy but also not, you know, she's driving a bus full of angry people for fucking two and a half hours and dealing with kids um, and then as we drove off, they were walking down the street in Kangaroo Flat, just like giving the bus the finger. So like they're having fun right now, I guess, you know, being young delinquents. But where does that story find itself in 10 to 15 years time? There's no way those kids aren't smoking meth, maybe doing a bit of fucking booting up the hammer, right? Bit of heroin. Living in their small town. I mean, what are they doing in Melbourne anyway? They've got no parents. They're just jumping on a bus. And just going to Melbourne for the day to what? Just just walk around Burke Street Mall telling people to get fucked. Because <laughs> they're just angry at the way that their lives are. Maybe there's nothing for them at home. They don't know what to do and they're just full of anger because they don't know how to enjoy life and they've got no one to show them that life can be great. 
So they're just like, what can we do? Let's go to the city because people from the city are cunts. So let's just go from the city and tell them what we think of them. And it's like, yeah, a bit, you know, people from the city, it is kind of why... I don't know. I'm not going to get into this. Why am I trying to break down the socio-political implications of kids smoking at a bus station? <laughs> Maybe I am a pretentious cunt who listens to classical music, isn't it? I can't. I can't see a ten-year-old kid smoking at a bus station, and I, I I can't see that, and I can't help myself. Like I see that, and I just can't help myself from like, what are the implications of this in our society? You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, I don't know. So just enjoy the funniness of seeing a 10-year-old kid with a rat's tail punch a dart. <laughs> My cousin's kids are so funny, man, just screaming. My cousin's four-year-old son, this was the funniest thing. And this is, I mean, that made me happy. Seeing that kid, that a kid smoke a cigarette, that'll make you feel sad. But my cousin's kids, man, just so... So dope. They're fucking awesome. And um, <clears throat> we got up on Friday morning. They're, they're building a house um, on the kind of outside of Bendigo. And they got sick of paying rent at a place that they were living. So they just moved into the shed on their property and built two kind of insulated rooms in the shed where they're like my cousin and his wife in one and the kids in the other. And then their lounge room is just the shed, you know, with a concrete floor and a TV and a fucking whatever. Um, and a little kitchen there. And we woke up at 6.30. I slept on a swag on the floor. And uh, we woke up at 6.30. The kids are going to go to school. His wife's got to go to work and he's going to work on the house all day. And the kids are getting ready and, you know, eating their breakfast and stuff. And the four-year-old, I mean, he's just got so much energy. My cousin's like, yeah, man, he's like this from the moment he wakes up. He'll just go like this all day now. He picked up a cockroach at one point off the floor and just threw it at me. He picked it up with his bare hands and was just like, ah, just threw it at me. And I thought it was gone. No, it had landed on the front of my shirt and they were just looking at it and laughing. And I looked down. I was like, oh, 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 what the fuck? Kid doesn't give a fuck. He'll fucking pick a cockroach up with his bare hands. He doesn't care. And he's laughing and screaming. And my cousin's like, yeah, man, he's got so much energy. He runs everywhere. He's like, oi, mate, you run everywhere, don't you? His kid's just like, <laughs> screaming, running around. And um, he's like, oi, man, watch this. And he goes to his kid, oi, mate, go over there and grab that, like grab your bowl of breakfast, right? <clears throat> this is how much energy this kid has. Not only does he run to get the breakfast, he screams while he's running. He runs across the room and screams at the top of his lungs, ah! while he – I can't even do it. I can't even do it in good conscience because I know you guys, it's screaming. It's intense. He's not thinking like that. He's just like, I've got so much energy in my tiny little body and I just need to get it out. He must be bur It must be like burning with energy. I can't imagine being like that. I'm sure I was when I was young. I mean, you look at me now and how much of a fucking psycho I am and work backwards. I'm doing front flips on a fucking – on a pillow when I go camping as a 30-year-old. So, yeah, I was probably screaming as a kid too. I can't imagine what that must feel like to have that much energy inside you, you know? I guess here's maybe me trying to tie it all together. Some 
kids get the opportunity to learn to run around and scream and be happy, but some kids don't know what to do with that energy, so they smoke cigarettes. And isn't that a very sad state of affairs? I don't really know how to end this podcast, but uh, it's been great, hasn't it? I had a lovely weekend in Bort with my friends. The mayor of Bort was at the show, apparently. I didn't see him. I saw the mayor's wife talk of the town, but I did not see the mayor. I was told that he was there, but he left pretty quickly, I think. But anyway, whatever. It was great. Um, check out the YouTube. I want to chuck up a new video in a sec. So um, go and check out the YouTube or it'll be on like Instagram Reels or on my TikTok, which is not successful at all. Um, yeah, I'm going to put videos up in the next few weeks. The special's coming along, slowly getting those edits back and it's still on track to be up uh, by Christmas. And I'm also going to announce my dates for Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne and Sydney in the first three, four months of next year, that, that announcement will be made before Christmas as well and all of those tickets should be on sale. So very exciting. If you're in any of those cities, keep an eye out on my social media because I will be announcing that. Follow the Instagram for the podcast at Sitting Under Podcast. The picture this week will be me and my friends bouncing on the pillow in between me slamming my face into it after doing a flip and uh, landing on my back and giving myself whiplash. Great. That's the podcast for this week. I hope you guys are doing good. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.